The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. God's favorite house, praise the Lord. So today we are in part three of our um, series on light. And today, by the grace of God, we are looking at light forward. Light forward. Light always leads to progress. Light leads to progress. Like we, we've explained um, over and over again that every time you put on light, you can see further. It encourages motion. It, it, it breeds confidence. So if you're in a dark room, a totally dark room, your motion is ampered. Not necessarily because there are things that could trip you, but because you can't see. So you're going to be moving with a lot of caution. But once you enter a light-filled room, all of a sudden you can move faster. So light leads to progress. Light leads to forward motion. Light leads to progress. Now, Light forward means progress that is birthed from light. So you are going to light forward in the name of Jesus. It's a phrase I've, I've coined, you know, to, to explain progress that is made possible by light. So the, the progress you make because of the illumination that comes into your life. So you light forward. So, so in other words, what, what, what we are saying is this. What we are saying is that a person who is light forward is one who is making the most of every opportunity and time. The person that is light forward is the person that is making the most of every opportunity and time. To be light forward is to make the most of every opportunity and time. Opportunities will come. Time will pass. You are light forward when you can see and make the most of every opportunity and time. So we take a text from Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. It says, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So God is saying, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Many times, we act thoughtlessly. We, we do things without giving proper thought to our actions. We, we just act. We, why did you do what you did? And many times, we either act before we think or we speak before we think. If you meet someone, if you are someone that speaks before they think, you will act before you think. So to train yourself to act after you have thought through stuff, make sure you don't speak until you have thought through stuff. If you're having a conversation, maybe with your spouse, and you talk before you think, that's a big problem. God is saying, 
in Ephesians chapter 5 that don't act thoughtlessly. And I dare say don't speak thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Another translation says, understand what the will of the Lord is. So when, the, when Paul is saying we should like redeem the time, the KJV says, the word he uses referring to getting something back by means of paying a ransom. So God is saying that for you to get your opportunities and your time, make the most of your opportunities and your time, it's like you're actually buying back your time. It's like you're redeeming the time. But you see, the way time is, is that you can't manufacture it. You can't reproduce it. Time is our most important commodity. the greatest commodity we have because we can't manufacture it. We can't duplicate it. But Paul is saying you can redeem it because that is the sense of making the most of your opportunities and time. So redeeming the time has nothing to do with buying back time because you can't buy back time. But the concept of making the most of your opportunities and time come from redeeming your time. Come from the attitude of as though you are buying time. As though you are buying time. But you really cannot buy time. You really cannot buy time. One of the ways people deceive themselves is that the the, the time forward their clocks. So you have someone that um, is struggling with meeting appointments or going early to church, you know. So you set all your time to 15 minutes fast, you know, <laughs> thinking that when the time is 15 minutes fast and you see that it is quarter to six when it's actually 30 minutes to six, you hurry up. And you can deceive yourself, but at the back of your mind, you should know that it's actually 30 minutes to 6. So, folks have different approaches of buying time, redeeming time. I would say that the concept that God puts before us today to make the most of our opportunities and our time is the concept of buying it back, of redeeming it. So to live light forward, there are a couple of things we have to do. So to live a light forward life, to live a light forward life, the first thing that I must do to live a light forward life is that I have to pay close attention to how I conduct myself. To live a light for what life, you have to pay close attention to how you conduct yourself. God says to us, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live a thoughtless life. Pay attention. Pay close attention to how you live your life. We are not to be inattentive. You're in a meeting, you're not to be inattentive. You are to be engaging. You are to be a part of the meeting. You are not to speak thoughtless thoughts. 
or speak thoughtless words. You are not to make thoughtless actions. You are to pay attention to your life. So God is saying, no random living. No random living. We should live with intentionality. You know, there's a, um, an illustration of a young little boy at the beach that throws a dart like a javelin. And whenever he hits the ground, the boy goes and draws concentric circles around the javelin and begins to celebrate, begins to jump. Yay, I, I, I did it, I did it. And he will, and he will clear, clear it or go to another place, throw his dart, and he hits the ground, and he will now draw the bull's eye around the um, javelin and other concentric circles, the bigger ones around it, and he will celebrate and he will jubilate. And so the, someone went to him and said to him that, what are you doing? You know, you're supposed to have the, like the dart concentric circles, then you're supposed to aim your dart, your javelin at it, and if you hit the center of the bullseye, that is when you should celebrate. And a young boy said, why would I want to do that? When I throw it anywhere it lands, I draw my concentric circles, I don't miss. That way, I don't miss. And, and that's how a lot of us live our lives. We throw it anywhere, anywhere it lands. You know, they say anywhere Belefist. Anywhere, <laughs> anywhere it lands. That is where we draw our circles. God says, no, live intentionally. Live intentionally. We should have intentional living. So be careful how you live. We are to live a very calculated life. Work a very calculated work. We are to live a very cautious life. A calculated and cautious life. God expects us to live a very deliberate life. A deliberate life starts with the end in mind. Not like the little boy. You don't do stuff, then you draw your concentric, your target around your decision. If I do this, if it works, then that is God's will. Now we can celebrate. If I, if I do it, <laughs> and God says no. God said to the Jews, I'm the one that declares the end from the beginning. So that when it happens, you will know that I am God. I am the one that I've told you this is what we do. This is what we do. So at the beginning of the year like this, God says to us, be intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional. Don't just live your life to chance. Where are you going with it? Where are you going with your life? Be intentional. Pay close attention to how you conduct yourself. What do you want to do? I'm looking for a job. What, what, what do you want to do? Any job will do. Well, there's a sense of responsibility that that portrays. That is, you, you are open to taking any job as long as it puts food on your table. Fantastic. From a responsibility standpoint. However, however, from a purpose and destiny standpoint, you must have a clear vision. This is what I want to do with my life. I mean, even if God needs to adjust it, God will adjust it. God can work with someone that has a plan and adjust a plan than somebody that doesn't even have a plan at all. So if God needs to meet you like all of Tarsus on the road and change the course of your life, he will check. Everyone Jesus called, they had something they were doing. 
the things they were doing was not what God wanted them to do, but they had something that they were intentional. God always, always goes for intentional people. People that have a clear-cut idea on what they want to do with their time and with their life. So the first thing to light forward is I must pay attention to how I conduct myself. I must pay attention to how I conduct myself. From that scripture, the second thing that we're going to talk about is, is this. The second thing is I must discern what is right and act upon it. You know, we learned last week that the battle between what is easy and what is right. Many times we want to do what is easy, but for you to light forward, you must discern what is right. And not just discern what is right, you have to act upon it. Um, the, the, our text, the, the part of the text says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. God says, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Action is the catalyst for wisdom because there's no point knowing what to do and not doing it. In fact, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is you know what to do. You have knowledge. But knowledge itself is, is useless. The best it can do is, is puff you up, make you arrogant. That's all knowledge does. But wisdom is taking what you know and doing something with what you know. So action is the catalyst for wisdom. Because you can know something and not do it. The illustration I give is if you are driving at, say, 100 kilometers an hour, and you see a sign, a road sign, that says, slow down, sharp bend, ahead. That is knowledge. You can see the sign. You've interpreted it correctly. You are knowledgeable. But if you maintain your speed at 100 kilometers an hour, or you increase the speed, <laughs> accident is going to happen. That is a foolish person. That is a foolish person. A wise person sees the sign, sees the caution, and acts accordingly. All the information that is available to you today, are you acting accordingly? Are you acting accordingly? Or are you burying your head like the ostrich? Hoping that nothing is happening around you. You know, that's what the ostrich does. The ostrich, they say, once there's trouble, once it can hide its head in the sand and it cannot see anything, it believes because it cannot see anything, nobody can see, see it as big as the body is exposed, sitting target. What do you do with what you know? That scripture says to us, don't live like fools. A fool knows a lot of things. You know, sometimes we think fools are those that don't know anything. No, fools actually know a lot, but they don't do anything with it. That's what makes them a fool. A fool is someone that knows something and does nothing with it. That's a fool. An ignorant person is someone that doesn't know anything. You're ignorant, but you're not a fool. 
You can be ignorant in, um, in the subject, but you're not a fool. But as soon as you know something about this subject, you act on it, makes you wise. But when you are ignorant, then you now know something about the subject, and you do nothing about it, then you're a fool. God says, don't live like fools, but like those that are wise. Don't live like fools. So the second thing I have to do to light forward my life is the first thing is to what? What's the first thing? What's the first thing? Pay attention. Pay attention to my conduct. The second thing is discern what is right and do it. The third thing that we see from that scripture, that jumps at us from that scripture, is the fact that we must steward our time. I must steward my time with great caution and intentionality. I must steward my time with great caution and intentionality. Again, you see intentionality across the whole thing we have to do. I have to be intentional when I'm stewarding my time. My time is a gift. My time is a gift. My time is a resource that I cannot reproduce. My time is a resource that I cannot duplicate. I can't create time. You cannot create time. So you and I, we have to see ourselves as stewards. What is a steward? A steward is like a servant, a, yeah, a houseboy, someone you, you send on errand. So we have to steward our time. A steward is accountable. It's accountable. We have to be accountable with our time with great caution and intentionality. That scripture that we read says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. In these evil days, you need to make the most of every opportunity. You sit beside somebody that is far from God, doesn't know who Jesus is. You, you, you don't know what's going to happen to the person. You don't know. Neither do you know what's going to happen to you on earth. But you know whatever happens to you, you have eternity with God waiting for you. But whatever happens to the person, make the most of the opportunity. Talk to the person about Jesus. An opportunity opens for you for business. Make the most of the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Make the most of the opportunity. Steward your time. Steward your time. One of the dangers of lighting forward and making progress in life Many times, it's not taking the wrong turns. Many times. Many times, the challenge is in drifting. Is in drifting from the right course. Is in drifting from the right course. So, so what, is, what, is, what is it to drift? What is it to drift? If we have... A directional movement. We are moving in that direction. You are lighting forward, right? And to drift would mean if at this point, okay, let's say you're you are cool up until this point. At this point, you 
move slightly, slightly, of course, just very slightly, of course. So what's going to happen? Right. So, when you're at this point, you start drifting, but everything's fine. Even at this point, you've made progress. You start drifting, but everything is still fine. Everything appears fine. But at this point, you start drifting, but uh, well, the difference is not much. Is it much? Just. But as you make progress, by the time you get to this point, it becomes a lot. And if we continue this line and continue this line, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the problem with drifting. You have to steward your time with great caution and intentionality. And the fact that we can drift is something that should make everybody cautious. Anybody can drift. And sometimes drifting is not that you are evil, but you need to realign. Even your, your cars, your tires get out of alignment. If you don't realign the tires, after a while, you know, have you seen those tires? <laughs> those tires before, you know, the tire is going this way, you know, and the, the guy is trying to, you know. So a drift is when you unconsciously move just very slightly off your course. Very slightly. To drift is not hard, and that is not a shift. So the difference between a drift and a shift is for the shift at this point, if you are on this course, then you go like this. That's a shift. So you've shifted off course. That, that's different. But to drift, you know, it's, it's just, just very teeny weeny deviation. But if you don't pay attention to it, it's going to get wider and wider. And we have personal drifts. So how do we overcome it? I mean, it's just like a bonus. How do we overcome it? Overcome it with accountability. You overcome personal drift with accountability. So there should be people in your life that can say to you that, hey, hey, this is where we said we are going. Which is why you should tell people up front, husbands should tell their wives, this is where God is taking us as a family, so that when you want to drift out of pressure of life, you can have someone. You know, I've shared an example before with us. Years ago, um, at the beginning of the year, I said to my wife, this is what God said. God tosses the Lord. This and this will happen with us this year. She nodded, no problem. Down the line, financial pressure, family pressure. I had a lot of pressure to um, emigrate out of the country. And it was just a logical thing to do. You know, because 
of the skills I had, um, the opportunities out there, what my friends were making, you know, the pictures were coming in, you know. I mean, people were living large. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure for me to emigrate. And, and I started the process, you know, got out all the papers, went to Banty, got police clearance, all sorts of things. I was at the point of making, I didn't know the submission or something, you know, I thought the, the evaluation, I passed it, you know, I was just to submit the documents. Then my wife said to me, woke me up at night, 3 a.m. It's a long time we've had those 3 a.m. discussions. <laughs> and she said, it's a long time. I really can't remember last time we had those 3 a.m. discussions. That doesn't mean she woke me up at 3 a.m. Okay, so as she said, we need to talk. So I, I got up and said, what was the problem, woman? I mean, a man that has worked hard should sleep at night. So she said, anywhere you say God has told you to go, I will follow you. But I need you to look me in the eye and tell me that God has sent you on this mission. You know? So I was drifting from my mission. And I couldn't. And thank God I'm here. <laughs> praise God. And I'm still here. Um, praise God. So Drifting is very, very subtle. And you need people in your life that can lovingly set you straight. Lovingly set you straight. So what, from our teaching, what does the enemy use to attack a light-forward life? When a life is light forward, the enemy uses a lot of things, but we'll look, look at three things that the enemy uses to attack a light forward life. And the first thing he uses is guilt. The first thing the enemy uses is guilt to attack a light forward life. Second Corinthians 7 10. Second Corinthians 7 10 says, But worldly sorrow which lacks repentance result in spiritual death. Worldly sorrow is guilt. So you've done stuff that is wrong and the enemy attacks you with guilt. And it drains life, spiritual life out of you. Guilt is different from conviction. Conviction will always lead to life. Guilt will always lead to death. Conviction is from your father. Guilt is from your enemy. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Guilt is from the devil. So what, what does the guilt do? Guilt says to you, oh, this is who you are based on what you've done. That's what guilt does to you. It tells you this is who you are based on what you've done. So um, you tell a lie. You're a Christian. You shouldn't tell a lie. Guilt says you are a liar. You are a liar. That's what guilt says. You are a liar. If you embrace it, it, it goes straight at your identity. You still 
you should not steal. But you couldn't resist the soup of your mom. You stole a piece of meat and you ate it from the pot. Then you cleaned your mouth as if nobody saw you. But guilt will say, you are a thief. You are a thief. Conviction will say, you should not steal. You know you should not steal. What are you going to do about this stealing? That's conviction. Guilt says, you're a thief. Conviction says, you are not to steal. Guilt says, this is who you are. You're a thief. Conviction says, this is not who you are. You are not a thief. You should not be behaving like this. That's what conviction says. So conviction actually brings you to a place of repentance. Guilt, on the other hand, brings you to a place of spiritual death, of destruction. So the first thing the enemy does when he sees a light forward life is to attack with guilt. And you see, if, you, if, I, if, if I do a survey now and I, and I say that everyone here, you've never struggled with guilt, put up your hand. Anybody? Put up your hand. Anybody? Nobody. I can't see any hand up. No hand up. <laughs> if there's a hand up, then you need deliverance. You know? No hand up. But the truth is, also, everybody here has experienced conviction. Why? Because if you're a child of God, God must have convicted you. You know, so you told a lie. Guilt says you're a liar. But the Holy Spirit says, you are not a liar. So why are you lying? That's not who you are. So that brings you to a place of repentance. Oh, I'm not a, I shouldn't be doing this. And so it's all about your identity. The enemy tries to brand you with what you have done. God tries to show you with what you have done that that's not who you are. So the first thing the enemy does to attack a light forward life is guilt. The second thing is if he fails with guilt, he cannot destroy you. He tries to distract you. So distraction. Luke 21 34. It says, watch out. Don't let your heart be dulled. You know, don't let your light be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. So, so God is saying that ultimately the day of Christ, when Jesus comes, we shouldn't let it catch us unawares. We should not be distracted. And beyond that, or rather to apply that on a daily, every day we should not be distracted. So the enemy uses guilt, uses distractions, praise God. And the third thing he uses is excuses, excuses, excuses. The classic story of the rich man that threw a party and invited all his friends. The story you see in Luke 14, 17. Invited all his friends to come to the banquet. And everyone had an excuse. One says, oh, I just married a wife. Ah, I need to do honeymoon. And one says, oh, I just killed an oxen. And one, excuses, excuses, excuses. As long as you have an excuse, you cannot make progress. If you want to light forward... You need to get rid of excuses. Why are you not reading that book? 
What is your excuse for not reading the book? What's your excuse for not reading the book? If you want to light forward this year, you need to trash the excuse and read the book. What's your excuse for not reading your Bible? What is your excuse for not reading your Bible? If you want to light forward this year, you need to trash the excuse and begin to actually, actually read your Bible. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? I mean, personally, I've, I've discovered that a part of my prayer time, I have different uh, strategies of, of, of prayer and, and time with God. So there's a, but there's, a, there's a big chunk of it, which is my prayer work, which is when I, I go out and I walk and I pray. I found out that when 2019 was coming to an end, by the time I, I did an assessment of my, I mean, I, I just see that introspected, I discovered that towards the middle to the end of 2019, there was just one excuse of why I, oh, I cannot go for this prayer work today, or why I cannot go for this prayer work today, or what. And I found out that, I, I mean, it's so far between. But 2020, I'm going to shoot down all the excuses. Boom, 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 boom. Because <laughs> I will not be grounded. I will light forward in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you will light forward. You need to shoot down the excuses. So to overcome guilt, we're going to look at what is it in God's word? What has God empowered us with to overcome guilt? The things that try to dull our lighting, distraction, and excuses, and will be done. So we see that the what we've called the light forward response to guilt is to learn from the past without the past discouraging you from taking hold of your preferred future. Learn from the past. Everybody say learn from the past. One of the biggest things you can do for yourself is to learn from the past. You know, I mean, many people approach the past different ways. Some people don't even want to think about it past again. They don't want to talk about the past. You want to, any, any reference to the past. Oh, no, 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 don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. But that's not what we should do. We should be able to examine it and say, yeah, I goofed here. Yeah, I did well here. Yes, you should be able to examine the past. See it for what it is. Past. What does past mean? Past means gone. It's past. That's what it means. But we should learn from it. We should learn from the past. Philippians 3.13. Philippians 3.13 says to us, and this is Paul, says, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So, I mean, the illustration is given over and over again of, of, the, of, of the car. The, the car has a big windscreen, but a small um, rear view mirror. You should have probably that ratio of, of your windscreen to your rear view mirror as it regards the past. Learn from the past. Forget the past. But learn from it. Learn from it. Learn from it without the past discouraging you. Because one of the reasons 
a lot of us don't even want to have anything to do with the past is because the past has a way of draining us. The past has a way of drowning us. The past has a way of discouraging us. But you should have the courage, and I want to challenge you today, to have the courage to look at your past and actually learn from it. So, maybe homework. In the past year, just 2019 has passed, what is the number one thing that you have done that you are proud of in 2019? Think about it. Write it down. What is the number one thing that happened to me that I'm proud of, that happened to me or I make, made happen, that I'm proud of in 2019? Write it down. Write it down now. Put it down in your mind. Have a mental picture of it. If you need to take some time, I'll give you two seconds. One, two. Good. Think about it. Now, what is the number one thing in 2019 that you're ashamed of? That if you have a big eraser, you can erase it from your history <laughs> before you start erasing. Think about it. Now, I want you to be bold enough to confront the two and look and learn. The mistake we make, why a lot of people cannot have repeated success, even in their careers and their businesses, is because they don't even learn from the things they do right. You have to learn from both the things you do well and the things you didn't do well. You need to learn from the past. So what did you do well? What can I learn from this? I, I got promoted. Why did I get promoted? What can I learn from it? My business tripled in revenue in the last quarter alone for the all annual revenue was tripled. What can I learn from it? What did we do? What is the lesson learned? Similarly, I goofed here. I'm not proud of it. What can I learn from it? So we have to learn from the past without the past discouraging the future. It's huge. It's huge. Learn from the past. Learn from the past. But don't get stuck on the past. Don't let the past define you, regardless of the past. Successful past, unsuccessful past. Once you've learned from it, you do like Paul. Philippians 3, 13. I focus on one thing. I've learned from my past. I focus on one thing. I focus on the future. I forget the past. I look forward to what lies ahead. So you've learned from your past. You are a stronger person. You're, you've built a stronger system. You have learned from your past. Now, don't sit there. Focus on the future. 2020 is going to be a great year for you. In the name of Jesus. This year is the year of lights. God is going to release multiple colors of beauty in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Light will saturate your life. So look forward. Look forward. The past is gone. You see, many times, again, I kind of emphasize this, we, we just want to gloat in the past. The past is gone. Look forward. Listen, what lies ahead of you is far greater. What lies ahead of you is bigger than what's behind you. Far bigger. So the first thing, 
to light forward. The light forward response to guilt is learn from my mistakes, learn from my successes, and I move forward without letting it discourage me or making me ineffective. Number two, the light forward response is I need to be mindfully aware of good things that distracts from the best things. I need to be mindfully aware of the good things that distract from the best things. There are certain things that are good. They are good. Praise God. But if we get bogged down with them, they will distract us from the best things. Because the things that we drift off towards are not necessarily evil things. They may be good things, but we drift off the path of greatness. So when you drift off a great path because of a good path, you lose the great destiny that God has for you. I pray that you will not lose the great destiny that God has for you in the name of Jesus. So we need to be very aware of the good things that distract from the great things. What are the great things that God has called you to do? You know, one of my friends said to me that, oh, I wish I have your certificates. In other words, back in the day, you know, uh, I think I, was, I just started pastoring. Maybe about two years to pastoring. And, and, and one of my friends said to me that, so why did you go to school? You say you are a pastor now. Pastor. You mean with all you know, with all your education, you know? You are talking about Jesus, you know? It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and I was just, I mean, of course. So he said, ah, just give me your certificate then. Because... I had a better grade than he did in university, and he feels that if he had my certificate, he would have gotten a better job. So me, I had the good certificate that he wants, or that everybody wants, and I'm just sitting here saying I'm a pastor. That's what he said. <laughs> and, you know, I, and he left, I, obviously, I mean, he wouldn't understand, you know. And I smiled because, you know, it's good to be... Um, for me, that is, to have a secular job is good. By God's grace, I'm good at what I do. But it's nothing compared to serving God by serving God's people in ministry. Nothing compares to it. Nothing compares to it. So what will I give you? Say, so I need to be mindfully aware of the good path that is for me, for some people, I mean, God has called them for a career, marketplace ministry, God has called them to business, fully path. Praise God. But for, for me, the greatness is in serving God by serving God's people. So how much would you pay for someone that God gave in brand new heart, heart, physical heart? How much do you want to pay for that? How much do you want to pay for someone that had a hole in the heart and God healed the hole and the person was, how much is that? How much salary can give you satisfaction of seeing someone who was hell-bound, 
heard the gospel, turn around. God delivered totally. How much can you pay to command demons to go and they go in the name of Jesus? How much can you pay? How much can you pay to see life saved, families transformed, destinies restored? How much can you pay? So for me, that's a classic example of, of be mindfully aware of good things that can distract from great things. So for me, the great thing is serving God by serving God's people. That's the best thing I can do with my life. The best thing I can do in my life. I know that. That's the greatest thing that I can do in my life. I can write the best software in the world, perhaps, maybe, but it will not comp- compare to one soul, one soul that makes heaven, one soul. Because what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So the soul is worth more than all the money. And there is no higher calling. No greater honor than to bow and kneel before your throne. I'm amazed at your glory. I'm embraced by your mercies, O Lord. I live to worship you. There is no, there is no higher calling. There is no greater honor. So the good things that distract from the best things, we need to pay attention to them. And they're not, like I said, they're not bad. It's not bad to be in the secular. It's not bad. There are things that are not bad, but they are not the best for you. And because it's not bad, it's not enough. It's not enough. If you look at Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 from verse 1, it says, now, this is very interesting. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and the sin especially that so easily trips us up. So, but many times we focus on the sin. Yes, the sin is an issue and we should deal with sin. But many times we ignore the weights that slows us down. They are not necessarily seen, but they are not aiding your journey. They are not necessarily seen, but they are not aiding your journey. God says, strip off. So, the first thing, the first light response, and that is to guilt, is to what? Learn from the past without the past discouraging you. The second is what? Be what? Mindfully aware of good things that distracts you from the best things. And the third is huge. <laughs> third is huge, big, big, huge. And that is this. After you've done all that, then you have to take action. Take decisive action. It's the beginning of a new year. I don't let this year fool you. Like, you know, that's a way of feeling like we are in the middle. We are not in the middle. We are still in the beginning. This is the beginning. You know, it's the beginning. This year came with a lot of room. And all of a sudden, it's as if we are in June. We are not in June. We are in January. And this is still the middle of that. We are in the middle. 
we're in the middle of January, we're in the beginning of the year. So we have to be decisive. We have to take action. There are things that you've remarked, you need to take action. You need to take action. You need to take action. And that is the third right response. You need to take action. James 1.22 says to us, James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Take action. So what are the things that, you know, oh yeah, the year of light that you, it's, it's, it's been turned around in your heart. It's, 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 it's brooding in your heart. What are those things? You have to take action. Praise God. Things inspired by God in your heart, you have to take action. You have to take action. So, I want us to close with Psalm 90. Psalm 90, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12 says to us, teach us to make the most of our time, to number our days, to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. So it is not enough to only count your days, to number your days. The purpose of counting your days is to grow in wisdom. It's to grow in wisdom. So it is not enough to count your days Someone said, you have to make your days count. You have to make your days count. It's not enough to just count your days. You have to make your days count. I want to challenge you again. Look at January. How many more days are in January? Make every day count. For you to light forward. For you to to take the illumination that God has given you from the beginning of the year and, and, and spring forward and make progress, you need to make the day count. You need to make the day count. God is on your side. God is for you. God is not against you. Take action. And, and you may be here and you've, you've, you've never given your life to Jesus. It's the time to take action. It's the time to light forward. We used to be with God, but you are not with God anymore. It's time to take action. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads.